0: Welcome to the Raised with Jesus podcast, Ten minutes every day with the life of Jesus meets yours. You've got your daily Bible reading from Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3. Jesus entered the synagogue again, and a man was there with a withered hand. They were watching Jesus closely to see if he would heal the man on the Sabbath day, so that they could accuse him. He said to the man with the withered hand, Step forward. Then he said to them, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day? Is it lawful on the Sabbath day to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. Then he looked round at them with anger, deeply grieved at the hardness of their hearts. He said to the man, Stretch out your hand. The man stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees left and immediately began to conspire against Jesus with the Herodians, plotting how they might kill him. Jesus withdrew to the sea with his disciples. A large crowd followed him from Galilee, Judea, Jerusalem, Idumea, and beyond the Jordan, as well as from around Tyre and Sidon. A large crowd came to him when they heard all that he was doing. He told his disciples to have a boat ready for him because of the crowd, so that the people would not crush him. Since he had healed many people, all those who had illnesses were pressing forward to touch him. Whenever the unclean spirits saw him, they fell down in front of him, Crying out, You are the Son of God. But he warned them sternly that they should not tell who he was. Jesus went up the mountain, summoned those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed twelve whom he designated apostles, so that they would be with him, and so that he could send them out to preach, and to have authority to drive out demons. He appointed the twelve Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, Then James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, to whom he gave the nickname Boanerges, which means sons of thunder. Also, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus. Finally, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. They went into a house. A crowd gathered again, so that they were not even able to eat a meal. When his own people heard this, They went out to take control of him, because they were saying, he is out of his mind. The experts in the law who came down from Jerusalem were saying, he is possessed by Beelzebul, and he drives out demons by the ruler of demons. Jesus called them together and spoke to them in parables. How can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but he is finished. On the other hand, no one can enter the strong man's house to steal his possessions, unless he first ties up the strong man. Then he can plunder his house. Amen, I tell you, everything will be forgiven people, their sins and whatever blasphemies they may speak. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never have forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. Jesus said this because they were saying, He has an unclean spirit. Then his mother and his brothers arrived. While they were standing outside, they sent word to Jesus, calling for him. The crowd was sitting around him. They began to tell him, Look, your mother and your brothers are outside looking for you. He replied, Who are my mother and my brothers? He looked at those who sat around him in a circle, and he said, Look, my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. This is the word of our God. The beginning of this chapter concludes the theme that we saw in the previous chapter of the times when Jesus arrives and it produces a contradiction between what the people expect out of a religious leader, especially a religious leader of their day, and what Jesus actually did. And the the ultimate and the final um, aspect of that contradiction between what people expected and what Jesus did is seen here in the healing at the synagogue on the Sabbath day. Is it right to do good on the Sabbath or not? And Jesus heals that man's hand, and it really, you know, it changes his life. Um, He's able to, maybe able to work again, he's able to go about his day and have the full use of that hand. And the contradiction, here is Jesus doing something good. And in Elsewhere, when this controversy comes up and when it's mentioned in the other Gospels, he talks about, you know, if you have a donkey that falls into a pit on the Sabbath day, um, you're not going to wait until the next day. You're going to do good on that Sabbath day, and you're going to get that donkey out of the well or out of the pit. And it's the same thing that he talked about at the end of chapter two, that when David was hungry, he and his um, associates went into the temple of God and ate what was, uh, ate the consecrated bread there, the bread of the presence. And with those words, Jesus had demonstrated another principle, not just the principle of, of love and doing good on the Sabbath, as he does here at the beginning of chapter three. But at the end of chapter 2, he talked about the fact that, you know, man was made for the Sabbath, not the Sabbath for man that we do not serve a Sabbath day, but that the Sabbath serves us, that um, that Sabbath day is a teaching tool of God. And when we talk about the Sabbath day, you know, what is that? Uh, The Sabbath day was Saturday is a day of worship and rest when they weren't supposed to do any work, when they were supposed to have the day free with their family. And um, when they were supposed to go to synagogue or to the temple and hear and study the word of God and worship the Lord and that sabbath day that day of rest and worship was a foreshadowing that God created of the rest that we have in Jesus that rest that goes on every day that rest that is grounded in the joy of Jesus with us Jesus for us the forgiveness of sins life and salvation and that foreshadowing um kind of comes to mind here you know when you talk about the sabbath day that You might recognize, you might remember the third commandment. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. What does this mean? We should fear and love God, that we do not despise preaching in his word, but regard it as holy and gladly hear and learn it. That third commandment, um, like all the commandments, but especially that third one jumps out, is phrased um, as part of a concise summary of God's moral law, which is binding on all people, but it's phrased and given to the Israelites, God's Old Testament people. And so when we talk about the the Sabbath day, we have to recognize the principle behind it, which Luther brought out in his explanation, that we respect and highly regard the time that God has set aside for worship and rest. Um, we should fear and love God that we do not despise preaching and his word, but gladly hear and learn it. And so then beginning in, in verse seven, and we've got a new theme, um, not just you know, chapter 2, at beginning to chapter 3, verse 6 or so, really highlighted the contradiction, highlighted the division, um, the contradiction within Jewish religious life and the division between Christ and those people who wanted to maintain their idea of religion and that idea of, of really of works. Because even though the distinction isn't... Um, doesn't always fit with our terminology. Um, Tim Keller makes a good distinction when he talks about the distinction between religion and Jesus, um, and it's it's kind of a false dichotomy. I recognize that, but just generally speaking religion in this world is a religion that says this is what i do in order to work my way into god's good presence and this is what i do as a as a result of my being welcomed into the presence of my god in in any religion that's that's the bottom line of it and jesus here presents something different that he has come that when he preaches his word. He shares the gospel. There he is present with all of his gifts, all of his attributes, all of his blessings for you and for me. And where Jesus is with all of his gifts, he brings joy, a joy that does not depend like happiness does, Um, happiness depending on our circumstances and on what happens around us, but joy resulting from the forgiveness of sins. So then that, that contradiction and that division really ramps up over the next five chapters or so from chapter 3, verse 7, all the way through about the end of chapter 8. Um, and it's going to be, it's going to be highlighted in three major ways, three different uh, major ideas that are going to really dominate in this section. Um, first of all, is that this Jesus, even though he is opposed and he is contradicted, he maintains his, his mercy toward all who would hear his word and who would not reject him. He heals people. He frees people from the power of demons, raises the dead, invites people into um into a meal together. He gives the Gentile woman part of the abundant mercies of the God of Israel when he drives out the demon from her daughter. Uh, the The sending of the 12 and the choosing of the 12 here in chapter 3 really highlights his grace and his willingness to be gracious toward the 12 t- tribes of Israel. Um, but secondly, the division between Christ and those who oppose him is going to become sharper and deeper. We see that in this chapter, which finds its parallel in Matthew chapter twelve um, so we recognize that this is already a year year and a half into the ministry of Jesus um, because Matthew chapter twelve is about um, when we hear about the imprisonment and the beheading of John the Baptist and and Jesus has you know like nine chapters of ministry at that point because he has baptized all the way back in Matthew chapter 3. So anyway, in um, the, the second major theme is this line of demarcation between Jesus and those on his side um, versus the scribes, the Pharisees, those who are willing to call him a prophet, but not willing to confess him as Christ, and even the the bitterest opposition cannot turn him from his course. As the one who would die on the cross for our salvation, he would, takes up his cross, um, and he he yeah he backs away from opposition at times. He silences the demons who proclaim him the son of uh, son of God. He doesn't do miracles for those from his own hometown who are demanding a miracle. He refuses to give a sign from heaven that would satisfy arrogant unbelief. Um, And he speaks in parables. And then, so there's that that division between Jesus and the scribes and Pharisees is going to become even deeper and even sharper. And we see that already in this chapter when they say that he drives out demons by the power of demons. We'll save that uh, that brief discussion of the sin against the Holy Spirit for tomorrow. If you have any questions about that, you can email the podcast rwjpodcast at gmail.com. And then finally, um, even as there is this division between Jesus and the so-called religious people of his day, there is also a deepening of the fellowship between himself and his apostles so that they, and really they alone, um, at least before his death, can clearly confess, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. So what does all this mean for you and for me? Well, <laughs> there's a number of things. First of all, where Jesus is, there he is with all of his gifts and his forgiveness, and he brings joy. Not happiness that ex- depends on our external circumstances, but joy that flows from the forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation. Um, and secondly, you and I can take time, um, time of worship, time of rest, to hear the word of God and to be comforted by it. And then thirdly, that. John highlights this in all of his gospel. Mark highlights it over the next five chapters that Jesus and his followers are going to be seen as different and even an enemy of those around them for no reason of their own, for no reason that makes sense. But they hated Jesus without reason. And the same will be true of you and me, fellow Christian. And so, what is it that we are to do? We are to hold on tightly and cling to this Jesus to know him deeply to celebrate his sacrament with fellow Christians, to encourage one another with the word of God, with the fact that this Jesus, yeah, he's worth it. Thanks so much for joining us here at the of with Jesus podcast. If you have any questions, comments, insights, or reflections, Um, You can contact us at RaisedWithJesus.com slash podcast, or through the email, rwjpodcast at gmail.com. If you find us on social media, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for Raised With Jesus. Um, And this podcast is also published in conjunction with Epiphany Lutheran Church, now Water of Life Lutheran Church in Racine, Wisconsin, as well as Resurrection Lutheran Church in Maumee, Ohio. Thanks so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. God bless your day.